Welcome back to another episode of the Hoops District Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about young, up-and-coming teams, players, and what their futures are in this league. The first team I want to talk about is the Denver Nuggets. But Before I get into their future, I want to talk about what they're doing this season. The Nuggets have a lot of talent on their roster. They're currently 21-11, first seed in the West. But they've got a bunch of injuries they have to deal with. Gary Harris, who's a 3 and D player and arguably their best scorer, he's out. Paul Millsap, who has been their defensive anchor all season, he's out. Will Barton, a key scorer and defender, he's out. Obviously, Isaiah Thomas is out. Um, Who knows when he will return. So they got a, a lot of injuries to deal with. But when this team gets healthy, it'll be fun to watch. In terms of what they can do in the postseason, I'm going to say first or second round exit. They're just not experienced enough to make a deep run. They're young, and the franchise hasn't made the playoffs since 2013, and the roster has completely changed since then. So they don't have much postseason experience at all, so... I think they'll go to the second round at best. I mean, if they end up facing a team like OKC, they could probably that would be a a tough series. But they might be able to, you know, take them out in a seven game series. Um, but the future of this team is bright. Nikola Jokic is going to be a superstar. Top three center in the league already, in my opinion. His IQ, his passing, his court awareness is just phenomenal. He's just so talented. He's currently averaging around 18 points, around 10 rebounds, and 6 to 7 assists per game. He's just... He's he's not athletic at all. He's not a freakish athlete, but his IQ, his basketball IQ, his 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 smartness, his his overall understanding of the game is what makes him so great. And that's going to be that's that's really real, like he's not he can't jump out of the gym. He's not going to Beat you in a foot race? No. He's just going to outsmart you. Like he knows where all of his teammates are. Kind of like Larry Bird. He knows where all of his teammates are on the floor. Not athletic, but he's definitely going to outsmart you. He'll see, he'll, he sees a couple plays ahead. He'll be a couple steps ahead of you. Always. My only knock on Jokic, though, is um, his aggressiveness. Like, he can, can he get that alpha dog mentality? Because right now, he's the best player on the team. 
but he's nowhere near the alpha. Like, nowhere near the alpha. Sometimes he's too passive, and that ends up being detrimental to his team. You know, sometimes they do, they need him to put the ball on the floor and score and take over, but he's too passive at times. Like, last game against the Spurs, he had like four points. He only took like, I think, like two shots or something. There's been a bunch of games this season. He's, t- he's like, ha- took like two shots or like one shot, and he's just been passive, passive, pass the ball, pass the ball all game. Like, he's got he's to be more aggressive. He's amazing, but he's got to get the alpha dog mentality. Jamal Murray and Gary Harris are a young future star backcourt as well. So, like, this team could definitely become championship contenders in a few years. Jamal Murray... Extremely talented offensive player, along with Gary Harris, who's a great 3 and D player. Um, they've got a, a lot of great young talent. Their depth, their depth as well. As well. Juancho Hernan Gomez just dropped 27 and 13 on the Spurs. Monte Morris is leading the league in assist-to-turnover ratio and averaging 10 points a game along with that. Malik Beasley just dropped 22-7 and seven on the Spurs. Torrey Craig is a good 3-and-D player. And these guys off the bench are young as well. They're 22, 24 years old, and they're playing well. They're improving. The Nuggets are stacked. They're all set for the future. They've got their franchise centerpiece in Nikola Jokic, an elite and up-and-coming backcourt duo in Jamal Murray and Gary Harris. Great coaching, great depth, and like I said before, in a few years, they will be championship contenders. The Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis Antetokounmpo. That's the next thing I want to talk about. Giannis is just an absolute beast. Front runner for MVP so far in my opinion. Uh supreme statistical dominance. The Bucks are 24 and 10, so he's leading them to wins. Uh they they're second in the East. They've got, like, the best offense in the league, or close to that at least, and one of the best defenses in the league. So, like, in their 24-10, and 10, like I said, he's leading them to wins. He's averaging 26-13-6 on 58% shooting from the field. And he doesn't really have a jump shot. Like, he's shown that he's got somewhat of a mid-range game, but... He's shooting like 12% from three. Even if he never develops a jumper, even though I think he will, like even if he never develops a jump shot at all in his career, 
he could very well be the best player in the league without a jump shot. Make two long strides and a dunk on your head. That's that's Toro do to you all game. Uh, his his playmaking ability. He's averaging six six assists a game, and although that's on four turnovers, you know he can be the primary ball handler. He can play the point guard if needed. Point forward. He's just so versatile. If he gets a consistent mid-range game and a respectable three-point shot, it's over. Like, it's over. Defensively, too. He's got an enormous wingspan. He's an elite rim protector, can switch on to multiple positions on the perimeter, very versatile defensively. And the Bucks organization did the right thing. They added Coach Bud who is a really good coach, um, offensive-minded coach. Uh, he coached the Atlanta, the 61 Atlanta Hawks back in 2015. Uh, he was he was a, an assistant coach under Pop for a while, so you know he's a great he's a great coach. He was such an underrated signing. Then they surrounded Giannis with a bunch of shooters. Similar to what they did with LeBron in Cleveland. Like, surround, like, your freakishly gifted athlete with a bunch of shooters that he can just drive and kick to all game. Like, Giannis has got Tony Snell, Ursine Eliasova, Pat Connaughton, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, Dante DiVincenzo, Malcolm Brogdon. Just drive and kick, drive and kick, drive and kick, drive and kick. Giannis... Will be. He will be the best player on the planet within the next couple of years. If he isn't already. Like he's. I Well, he's not yet. But he's up there already. He's in that. He's in that tier already. And then within the next couple of years. Especially if he gets that jumper. He's, he's the best player in the world. He's the best player in the world. Uh, and the sky's the limit for the Milwaukee Bucks. And Giannis is 24 years old. This ain't even prime Giannis. And he's going to be the best player in the world. Leading the MVP race this year, in my opinion. Um, in terms of this year, I'd say that the Bucks will probably be um, second round, second round exits. You know... They don't have much. They don't have much postseason experience. Like they ain't. They ain't be beating t- Boston or Toronto. Philly, Philly. Yeah, they'll they'll be Philly, but it'll be close. I mean, the Bucks just have the better coaching and the better depth. With that's what it comes down to. Philly's got the star power, but the Bucks got everything else. So that's. Alright, next, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, both with extremely high ceilings. Embiid is already the best center in basketball because I count Anthony Davis as a power forward. Like, if it was just big men, one, Davis, two, Embiid, three, Jokic. Embiid has... All the tools to go down as one of the best big men to ever play. He's already a top 10 player in the league. Top 8s, arguably. 
26.5 points, 13.3 rebounds, 3.5 assists on 48% shooting from the field. And the Sixers are 23-13. and 13. His footwork, his ability to play in the post, back to the basket game, which he's so good at. He just back you down, shimmy, dunk, layup, whatever, fade away. He's got it. He's got it all. Um, his ability to hit the three and his elite defense. He has all the tools to go down as one of the best big men to ever play. Ben Simmons. The only thing holding him back is a jump shot. That's it. All his points come from the paint. So defenses can just key on him. They can just clog the paint and defend the passing lanes because they know he can't shoot. And he, they see trash at the line. He, he pretty much becomes useless in those situations. You saw that in last year's playoffs with the Boston Celtics, who just held him to like one point. He's got everything else. He's an elite playmaker, great rebounder, great defender, high IQ, you know. Um, so if he can get even a consistent, like, 15-footer, at least he'll be good. Like, the ability to shoot would just take his game to... Another level, another level, similar to Giannis, but not as quite as his ceiling is def- not even close to Giannis's. I don't, I believe, not even close. But the duo of Embiid and Simmons could be an all-time great. You know, Ben Simmons gets that jump shot, and they both continue to improve. Embiid's like a, he's already an MVP candidate. <sighs> yeah, they're it's gonna be good. They're they're gonna be a good duo. Like in the 2020s, it'll be like Giannis, Embiid, Kyrie, Simmons, Booker, Luka, Doncic. There's probably some other players I'm missing in there. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Devin Booker. It's the future of our league is gonna be is it's bright. Next up. The young core of the Lakers, the Los Angeles Lakers. They just lost to the Kings by one point. Bogdan Bogdanovich hit a buzzer beater to give the Kings the win. Lonzo left close to the end of the fourth quarter with some cramping. He was Lonzo Ball was one rebound shy of a triple double. Ingram got twenty two. Kuzma got tw- thirty three. Lonzo had like twenty. 9 and 12. Lonzo Ball is the best player on the season core. At first, I thought it was Brandon Ingram. But Lonzo has played better last night against the Kings. Like I said, 20 points, 9 rebounds, 12 assists, uh, 8 for 13 from the field, 4 for 6 on threes. He's the most valuable player in this young core. Prime Zoe probably put up like 16, 7, and 9 on solid efficiency. And elite defense. His defense 
is probably the most underrated aspect of his game, the most underrated part of his game. Like that he's really he's such a he's a really good defender. Like here's what Lonzo's been doing against point guards this year. And these are these are good most of them are top tier point guards. Held Mike Conley to one of four. Held Goran Dragic to three of nine. Held Kemba Walker to O of nine. Held Drew Holiday to two of nine. Held CP three to O of four. Held Teague to one and nine, and in all the games they faced Portland, he held Lillard, Damian Lillard, to seven of twenty-one, five of thirteen, and four of eleven. Definitely top three in terms of defense by guards, like, um, not overall, just guard defense. He's definitely top three, if not arguably the best this year. Kyle Kuzma, then Kyle Kuzma is just a pure. Um, natural score. Uh, such a polished offensive game. At only 23 years old, but his ceiling is not as high as Lonzo's or Ingram's. He spent four years in college, came into the league at 22 years old. So, he spent four, yeah, he's, he's, his ceiling is, is low. He's proven to be a great fit alongside LeBron, though, because he's a great off-ball player. He can be a spot-up shooter for LeBron to drive and kick out to for a three, but he can also put the ball on the floor, and he's got an arsenal offensively. He's got a ton of moves he can do. He might very well be an all-star in the next few years. Um, Yeah. Brandon Ingram has had a rough start to the year. He did drop 22 points yesterday. But, he's, you know, he struggled to play alongside LeBron. And that's mainly because Ingram is more of a ball-dominant player than Lonzo and Kuzma. And you have to be a good off-ball player to play with LeBron because he's ball-dominant, you know. He's going to kick it out to you. He needs his spacing. He's going to uh, play through the pick-and-roll, drive, kick out to you at the three-point line, spot up, shoot it. Um, he's 21. He's still very, very young, so I hope I hope he can find his footing because I like Ingram. I always thought that he had superstar potential. He's proven me he's proven me wrong um, because I thought he would be like a borderline all-star this year, average like 20 points a game. But uh, he's not. He hasn't been he hasn't been doing that. So I hope he can. Improve on what's been a shaky start to the year. Next thing I wanted to talk about is the GOAT debate. Yeah, the GOAT debate is dumb. It's just, it's very fly, it's dumb. Both played LeBron and Jordan. Both played in two different eras. Both played two different styles of basketball. One was six foot six, two fifteen pounds, and a shooting guard. One is a six foot nine forward, two hundred fifty pounds. So the goat debate is flawed. But what is the greatest of all time? The greatest of all time. It's the player with the least amount of flaws in his game. Closest to like 
no weaknesses, um, little to no weaknesses in his game. That's that's what that's who the goat is, and that's Michael Jeffrey Jordan, the most polished resume ever, combined with being the most skilled player ever. But then people like Nick Wright, Shannon Sharp, Colin Cowherd bring up all these flawed arguments. Uh, but, I mean, to put LeBron over the top, obviously. And Jordan and LeBron are in the same, they're in the same tier. Like, Jordan's one, LeBron's two, but like they're, they're together. They're in a they're in their own group. Like LeBron and Jordan are one and two. They're in one tier one, and then everybody else is down below. So yeah, they've just they kind of they've kind of them two have kind of separated themselves from the pack. Um, but like. There's a lot of misconceptions and myths about Michael Jordan that Nick Wright and Colin Cowherd and Shannon Sharp love to, you know, use to put LeBron over the top. So I want to just debunk those real quick. Uh, the first one being 1-9 without Pippen. This is just a dumb argument because, like... These were Jordan's first three years in the league. LeBron's first, like, he, was in, he wasn't even in his prime. And he was leading his team, his trash team, to the playoffs. LeBron's first three years, missed playoffs, missed the playoffs, and then he was a second-round exit. Like, if he made the playoffs all three, you know, he'd have around the same record. Because both of them were drafted to trash teams. But Jordan made the playoffs all three of his first three years. And, you know, LeBron missed the playoffs his first two years. His third year, his second round exit. Um, Jordan had to play a 59-win Bucks team in his rookie year. And in his second and third year, he had to play the Celtics with four Hall of Famers. Bird, McHale, Parrish, and Dennis Johnson. This is in the first round. He, he didn't... He didn't have no cakewalk to the finals like LeBron did in that weak-ass East he played with. Um, and MJ had no help at the time either. So he couldn't even put up a fight with like the Bucks and the, and the Celtics. His two best players were crack addicts. He played incredible, but he had no supporting cast. Jordan in his first three playoffs averaged 35, 6, and 7 on 45% shooting. But his team, like, in it, he obviously there's the 63 point game. Bird called him God in disguise. He averaged like over 40 points a game in that series. Um, yeah. I mean, when Pippen came, people acted like, oh, he made an immediate impact. Like, right away, he just helped Jordan just breeze right through the playoffs, create a dynasty, and win a title. Like, they use Pippen to belittle Michael Jordan's career. But that's not true at all. That's not true at all. People act like Pippen had an immediate impact as soon as he came. But he started off as a bench player with little to no impacts. First playoff series Jordan won. 
Pippen was a bench player. Jordan averaged like 35 points, 6 rebounds, and around 6 assists. And Pippen averaged like 10, 4, and 2 off the bench. So he didn't have much impact when he first came, when Jordan won his first playoff series. You know, the game that brought Jordan's playoff record to 2-9, and nine, Jordan had 50 points, 7 rebounds, and 2 assists. Pippen had 0 points, 2 rebounds, and 2 assists. Like, this argument is so flawed, has no context whatsoever. Another myth that is really stupid, Jordan was just a scorer. Like, what the hell? He's the greatest scorer of all time, but, you know, he could do so much more than that. He was one of, if not, the best perimeter defender ever. He made nine all defensive, the perimeter, not defense. And if defense, he's like, he's. I don't want you guys to mistake me here. Perimeter defender. In terms of defense, he he's borderline, if not top 10 defense. But just perimeter defense, per, perimeter defense, he's arguably the best, if not the best. But anyway, he made nine all-defensive first teams, led the league in the steals three times, and won MVP and Defensive Player of the Year in the same season. The only other player to do that, Hakeem Olajuwon. And Akeem Olajuwon is the greatest center of all time. But that's another topic for another day. And then, the most underrated aspect of Jordan's game is playmaking. In Doug Collins' system, which basically ran everything through MJ, Jordan averaged 32-8-8 on 54% shooting. When Phil Jackson arrived, he implemented the triangle offense, which if you don't know what that is, um, it's basically an offense that didn't allow players to rack up individual assist numbers, like, and it relied on isolation scoring and ball movement and shifted the playmaking over to the forwards, which is right. Rodman averaged his highest assist total in the triangle system. Uh, Shaq averaged his highest assist total in the triangle system. And Pippen was a point forward for the team. Jordan didn't need to be the best rebounder or best passer. But when he did, he did. When he needed to be, he could do every every single thing, every little category at a high level. When he needed to be the best playmaker on the team, when he needed to be the point guard on the team, he was the best. He was. When he needed to be the best rebounder on the team, he was. When he needed to be the best scorer on the team, he was always the best scorer. And when he needed to be the best defender, he was. Well, he, he always was pretty the best defender on the team. Him and Pippen were both elite primary defenders, but he could do every little every every category LeBron can when you talk about LeBron being better all around. He could do all of that. He just didn't need to. So, he was a complete player, and if you think that he's just a scorer, you shouldn't be talking basketball. 
Another thing is when Doug Collins experimented using Jordan at point guard for 10 games, you want to know how Jordan did? He averaged a 30-point triple-double in those 10 games. And the last thing, and this will be quick, is the myth that Jordan faced weak competition. Like, come on. He beat 20 50-plus win teams. LeBron only beat 10. 73% of Jordan's playoff opponents have 50-plus wins. Only 27% had under. The Bulls were 3 out of 6 title teams in NBA history to beat two 60-win teams in a playoff run. Jordan had Jordan had to carry 4, four out of the 6 lowest supporting casts in NBA history for a title team. And 5 out of 15 of Jordan's playoff opponents had the highest win percentage. Jordan, like LeBron in his first stint in Cleveland, um, before creating a super team in Miami, only beat one fifty-one. Oh, he only beat, in his first stint in Cleveland, he only beat one 50-win team before creating a super team in Miami. And that 50-win team was the Detroit Pistons without... Four-time Defensive Player of the Year, Ben Wallace, and their Hall of Fame coach in Larry Brown. So, I mean, yeah. They didn't have Ben Wallace. The Pistons didn't have Ben Wallace, and they didn't have Larry Brown at the time. That was the only 51-win 50, 50 team LeBron beat in first season in Cleveland. And then he won and created a super team in Miami. Uh, Jordan... Number one, LeBron James is number two. That's tier one. And then there's Magic. And there's Bird. And then there's everybody else who I maybe I'll make an all-time list soon. Uh, in the next episode, maybe I'll give you guys my top ten players all-time. But I just gave you my top four already. Jordan. LeBron, Magic, Bird. That's my top four. Um, Yeah, that's all for today's episode, guys. Appreciate y'all for tuning in. And I'm out. Peace.